My dear respected brothers and sisters, welcome to another episode of the Ark of Thought podcast. Today's topic is about food. We've left the studio today because it's too hot and we can't be inside of there. But I think we've got an adequate replacement. Uh, we're outside today. The sun's out. It's too hot. Cassim's really uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but we have a glass of water. Uh, we might have a cat that's going to be roaming about um, and might join us at some point as well. Um, but anyway, completely unrelated, but today's topic that we're planning on talking about is food. Um, there's a famous saying, and most of us all know it, you are what you eat. And based on that, this is a conversation and this is a, the topic that we have today. Consumption of food within the Muslim community um, is strange to say the least. Um, I think what we have to understand is, especially in the UK, which is where we are based, uh, the UK population of Muslims is approximately 3 to 5%. Uh, I think that's according to the last census, which was in 2011. Uh, although we're in 2021 and this is a census year, the data has not been produced as yet. But we can still estimate that it's approximately 3 to 5%. On the other hand, although we are only a small portion, we make up about 20% of the fresh local meat produce. That's what we consume. Um, if we compare ourselves as a Muslim, towards our non-Muslim counterparts in this country, we eat approximately eight times more fresh meat produce, uh, which quite frankly is a bit ridiculous um, and is a crazy statistic to be talking about. So what we want to talk about is our consumption of food, where it's coming from, um, what are we eating, what are the impacts on our lifestyles, um, is there something that we need to change? Um, and if we do need to change, make certain changes, how do we go about doing that? So before we get started, please do like the video, subscribe to our YouTube channel to follow our journey uh, and share the content with your with your friends and your family. So Kasim, let's get started. Uh, let's talk about what are we consuming? I mean, the to I think the topic naturally is going to veer towards uh, chicken and meat. Um, but before we get into like the, the chicken and meat side, I think we also do need to talk about uh, the balance between uh, plant-based diet and, and meat inside of our diet as well and talking about balanced meals I think this is something that sometimes we forego um, and I think there are cultural reasons behind that as well um, but what are your thoughts initially? My initial thoughts looking at the Muslim population in this country looking at the Muslim youth and looking at the generation a bit older than us I'm going to have to say sorry guys but oh our diets are very unhealthy. Our relationship with food uh, is not proportionate in the money it should be. And we are a lot to blame for the problems that we have. Now, it's important for us to understand that Alhamdulillah in the UK, let's be honest, compared to all the other European countries, outside of the Muslim lands, we have the best food for Muslims inside the UK. Better than America, better than Europe, better than any other place. And maybe this is like sort of a downfall for us is that we have access to maybe too many things. And because we have this sort of luxury, a luxury now has become something which is normal part of our daily life. And that's where we see the problems uh, coming into our, in, into our life. In terms of the access to meat is ridiculously easy for Muslims in, in the UK, in certain areas. Like some of us have to walk maybe a minute to go get halal meat. Then the availability of chicken, again, so, so easy. 
then alhamdulillah in even muslims living in the muslim communities living in their muslim areas they have their own you know sort of halal shops supermarkets cash and carries so for us alhamdulillah it's very very easy mm-hmm. but for that as well that brings a lot of problems for us in where we have to make conscious choices on those situ- on those things which are going to benefit our life and today unfortunately i see a lot of muslims not making constant choices just making those choices which are easy but in the long run causes them a lot of problems mm-hmm. yeah i think what we try to say here is balance is important the key word here that we're trying to advocate for is balance um, and we know i think generally the understanding is as muslims we we don't we don't advocate for a vegetarian lifestyle we don't say okay we are against the consumption of meat um, that's not our the the perspective of the sharia um, of the world and the ecosystem of the world but there is there is balance you know if we especially if you look at the lives of the prophet sallallahu if you look at the lives of the sahaba if you look at the the lives of the pious predecessors before us you don't see heavy consumptions of meat okay um, and i know we're talking top of the top uh, the cream of the cream um, those who are close to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but consumption of meat has changed drastically in the last 100 years and like you mentioned the main thing that it comes down to is the availability of it um, but I think as I was just alluding to previously there is a cultural reason that personally I think is is important to play uh, important at play especially for myself and yourself um, where we have continental origin um, and many of our parents come from a very poor background um, unfortunately meat as it always has been was a sign of wealth yeah you know to have meat on your table whether it be chicken whether it be poultry uh chicken poultry whether it be meat um whether it be fish it's a sign of wealth um and i think over years what's what's happened is this thing has become ingrained that we must have it on our table um to an extent where our children are now being raised uh where they won't eat the food that's on the table if it doesn't contain one of these three yeah um and don't get me wrong it's tasty <laughs> right we enjoy our meat as much as the other person does um but it can be it, it becomes problematic when it's the only thing that we're eating yeah okay and that's before getting into the whole aspect and the other side of the meat industry that we don't see we're seeing it from uh the consumer based perspective we just see that meat um from the butcher uh coming straight to our houses um we don't we're not seeing the what's actually happening behind the scenes uh which is a bit unfortunate okay so person where, where do you think our food's coming from then honestly whether it, whether it be meat chicken plants i want to say the sky and the earth but <laughs> believe that alhamdulillah let's be honest uh you mentioned before in the uk in the west from all the western countries we have the most easy and accessible way in terms of eating meat and chicken mm-hmm. but now let's backtrack this a bit where is our meat actually coming from mm-hmm. so we have a lot of how, do, how should we say halal accreditation companies which are making the pathway for muslims to eat halal much much easier mm-hmm. you know and we have to make a lot of shukr for these companies that they are there because if they weren't there then a lot of the meat that we work that we will eat or we're going to eat would have been very dubious mm-hmm. would have been very doubtful as well alhamdulillah so these companies are doing a very very big service to the ummah which we have to accredit, accredit and acknowledge mm-hmm. but then it comes back to like 
first of all, where is the meat coming from? And then we don't want to get into ethical reasons, but how is the meat being raised? Mm. What's it being fed? How is it being treated? What's the age of the meat uh, or the animal before it's being killed? These things all have to come into play. But the fact that we live in such a consumerist society is that these things don't even pass our mind. All we see is the meat on the plate. Mm. I was having this conversation with a person at work and he said something very, very interesting. He said, when people, when they have to slaughter animals themselves, they don't feel like eating that meat. Why? Because they know the process of slaughter. They know what the animal goes through. And they're there at that time, you know, when the animal's alive and then it's dead. You know, all the blood comes down, it gets clean and all the skin is taken away. Uh, so on. But for us, because we've become so immune to that, we've become so desensitized to that, all we see is chicken. Mm-hmm. Many, many people have not even touched raw chicken. And the first time when they do touch it, the first thing they say is, ew, this is disgusting. That's just yeah. the raw chicken. You didn't see it getting killed. Mm-hmm. You didn't see it getting fed. You didn't see it getting uh, stripped. You didn't see it getting, you know, ripped apart. You didn't see it. You didn't see all these processes. So if that just makes you feel like a bit eerie about just touching raw chicken, imagine the process that it went through. The fact that we've become so desensitized to that has a big role to play in our relationship with me. It's the fact that we don't know where it's come from. Mm. And that's another problem in that because if you don't know where it's come from, we don't know what's happened to it. And that, again, it should affect our, con- our conception, but it doesn't because all of that has been cut out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, the whole argument is going back to supply and demand, isn't yeah. it? Okay. That, given that we've talked about the demand is so high, eight times more than our non- non-Muslim counterparts uh, just for meat, then the supply has to match that. And the, I think what we all have to understand is when we um, push the ability to supply and stretch it to the limits that it, it is at, not just in the meat industry, with anything, then naturally the process starts to become more, more and more dubious. There start to be more and more um, corners that are cut. Um, and because the supply needs to match that, like, these companies, they, they aren't worried about ethics for us, you know. Um, when, I'm, when I'm talking about these companies, I'm talking about um, going all the way back to when the animals are reared, all the way up to the point where it, the, the meat is being supplied to our tables, okay. That entire process, whichever person or people or organizations are involved um, in between, um, and I'm not, I'm not trying to have a dig at anybody here. You know, if anybody thinks that I'm throwing in directs i'm not throwing in directs this is just the way of life this is this is what's normal you know that when when supply is stretched then things become problematic people want to want to cut corners it's a natural way of things happening and this is exactly what's happening in the meat industry right now let's not be about the bush like a lot of profit is being made yeah a lot of money is being made in the meat industry Mm -hmm. and you know kasim we have no problem against somebody making money um business is business at the end of the day um and we promote good business, you know. Somebody making money, that's for me. That's not a problem. No, no, no. You know, the if somebody is providing um, a service, it, it, the guy can have the biggest beard in the world. He can be the biggest imam in the world, right? But if he's providing a service and I want to pay for that, and I think it's worthwhile paying for that, I don't mind him making his making his money. Uh, that that's not problematic. Um, What's problematic is when when corners are being cut. Yeah. Um, and I think this this is what what I want to talk about in in this conversation, Kasim, is how these animals are being reared. You know, what's yeah. what's the process in the, in these animals? You know, if you're talking about chickens, then are these chickens are they free range? Are they able to roam about and you know do as they please, or are they raised 
in in battery farms where they don't have any space to move around you know um not only are are they not do they not have space to move around the food that they are being being given to consume in in a lot of cases is not their natural food you know the food that they they a chicken naturally eats it's not their natural food because you know and i don't mean to be crude here but this is a conversation that needs to be had and this needs to be mentioned that they are literally they have tubes down their mouths being force-fed food to get them bigger and to a size in which the person can can profit from them as quickly as possible you know the age at which these animals are slaughtered in weeks maybe in maybe just about in the months the process is just ongoing you know one after the other one after the other and that's not talking about like the sort of injections and the medication that they are given to grow in size um to put on fat or muscle or whatever else it might be um to get them to because at the end of the day they sold by weight you know they're not sold by quality no. um and let's be honest kasim i am i'm not in the slightest do not do i have a slightest bit of doubt that there are chicken that will come into the houses of muslim families which are unfit to eat oh yeah unfit to eat okay um and i can i can guarantee that that's happening you know i've got a question oh. have you ever seen a chicken or any sort of animal being being forced to just suffer their own eyes no i have Okay. I remember I'm going to mention his name then because he was there with me. We were in Egypt and we went to go buy some chicken from the shop. My friend Darren from North London. Reverb brother from Vietnam, mashallah. Okay. So he said we used to decide let's cook together so we said that we're going to go we're going to eat chicken. So we went to the shop went to the butchers wallahi I'm not like wallahi I'm not I still remember this like it was if it was yesterday. Went there and you get live chicken so you can say take my command this chicken so you can so you can see that it's been done in a halal manner. Okay, then you have frozen chickens, okay? So we've seen the chickens that are there in their cages. This one guy, the guy who's, who owned the shop actually, he picked up the chicken, wallahi, I'm not lying, you know? He got some he got some seeds, or he got some, yeah, seeds only. Sesame seeds, whatever. Mm-hmm. Put them into his own mouth, and then blew them right into the chicken. And he looked at my friend down like this, and we just walked out of the shop. You know, mm-hmm. when you see it for your own eyes, then you realize, like, what the hell's going on? I think this is the thing, like, I mean, you're talking about Egypt, Kasim, where... No, no, I'm saying that was done openly. Yeah, yeah. Because the guy wants a better profit. You know, what's happening in more advanced countries, where they have better equipment, where they mm. don't need seeds, where they don't need a person to... And imagine what else they're putting into the food. Mm. That's the point I'm trying to get to. Yeah, I think this is the thing, isn't it? I mean, all of these things, these things are we sheltered from it, and maybe it's a good thing that we sheltered Sometimes from it. Sometimes it is. Because, um... <laughs> but, yeah, I think... This is all getting into the debacle and the argument of organic versus mass-produced. And I think the problem is, you know, us sitting here, we don't have the solution for it. Because we can never, it can never be that the demand that we currently have for meat, that demand cannot be met ethically. It's not possible. It's not going to happen. So the way that I see it is the only solution for that is the demand needs to be changed. We need to change our lifestyles. We need to adjust um the way that we eat to become more sustainable to eat things which are more wholesome and better for us um and i think this is like i said i mean this again into the argument of like eating eating more organic meat and i understand that it's more pricey okay uh 
it is going it is going to hit the pockets more naturally but surely it's in the long term is better for us um, to become more healthy individuals I don't know what do you think I don't know you've got a bit of a tricky situation there do we, is it easier to change somebody's ethics or the way they view stuff and their sort of mindset or is it easier to, to, to change it to change an industry mm. you know yeah and uh, we're going to come back to this but you mentioned the study what will you eat in the later section, I w- I'm going to come back to this point, inshallah. Okay. You know, just to ho- hopefully really drive the point home. Yeah. I think the, the final thing to mention here is, like, we're talking about organic and we're talking about free range and we're talking about uh, mass-produced. You know, these labels are thrown around, but realistically speaking, in the West, like, how, how, how can we actually verify that whatever we are getting is organic, is free range? And I think these are words that have like legal definitions behind them i don't know how aware you are but like you know if you go to the supermarket and you buy organic um eggs if you look into what the terminology of organic is it's very different to what you would expect it to be okay um and but the thing is it's it's a lesser of evils in my opinion you know anybody that goes to a supermarket and is buying these battery battery hen eggs you see yeah Really, you need to take a long, hard look at yourself. And I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, sit on a high pedestal here, okay? But small differences, they, in my opinion, they do make a difference. It's making them conscious uh, choices. Even yeah, it might be small. Yeah. You're making them ethical choices. Yeah, in, yeah. in your ability, whatever you can do, whatever is in front of you, yeah, yeah. you know, that would make, you know, some sort of change. Yeah. And I think, the, you know, the whole point of bringing conversations like this is, because we, we can't be experts in every field. Um, we have our own field, but if somebody goes into this particular field and and makes some changes, um, kind of action changes, then fantastic. Yeah. You know, um, this is the way that we need to go. Anyway, let's move on to the next section. Uh, why is our relationship with food? So, Kasim, Muslims. Yeah. We as Muslims are facing many problems, uh, many health problems in our societies. Um, but before we get into the health problems, I want to make a, a quick point about, um, okay, actually, so we're facing health problems in societies, in our society. It is down to food. Food is a factor. Sorry. I'm, glad you, said, factor. I'm glad you said that. Okay. Um, we can't turn around and say it's the only reason and it's the only uh, thing which is causing problems. There are many things which are causing us to have health problems, um, but food is definitely a factor. And one of the things that um, we become reliant upon and our whole lives have become centered around is fast food okay, and the fast food industry. So we've talked about the meat industry and the production of meat, but at the same time, the fast food industry is, is growing rapidly within our own areas because many people are losing or either are losing the ability to cook for themselves or basically are lazy about cooking for themselves. Okay. So, or, 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 they just really enjoy eating food which is processed. <laughs> okay, so that's that's another point as well. And yeah, there's I don't we're not saying we're not saying that it's there's there's no harm in in eating out occasionally. But the thing is, I've heard people who have three to four days a week worth of takeaway and fast food, and when you when you're at that point where you're all you're consuming is fast food, then it's going to have problems. 
And one of the problems I wanted to get to, um, which is a slight side point, is you know all this food, it's got to be packaged in some way, doesn't it? Okay, and that packaging needs to be of a particular standard or um, needs to be a particular way. Now the problem is, what happens to all this packaging once we finish eating? Okay, and it's a bit. <laughs> That's a separate conversation which we will get into in another podcast. <laughs> no, no, no. That, I, I, I just want to touch upon this because littering is is a deep problem within our own community. Like the fact that you don't have um, is reverence the right word? Respect, reverence, reverence for the the areas that you live in, the areas that you've grown up in, the areas that um, you your your family are in, your friends are in. Um, it's your community Yeah, your own community If you don't have reverence for that And you're happy just to Throw around empty containers uh, That are dirty Okay um, Throw around drink cans Bro, you know when you see On the motorway And you're driving And somebody opens their window out And, and chucks a container of food out is disgusting Right And The fact that you don't have Reverence for nature And want to look after And want to throw away Your own rubbish You know there's no shame in holding on to your own rubbish until you find a bin and throw it away. You know? And I want I want to make a, a very quick point here that in our community where we live at the moment, there are some brothers and sisters who have started community community cleanup projects. And honestly, like it's it's heartwarming to see. Um unfortunately I've personally I've not had as much time on my hands um recently. But honestly, when I see it, is it's a fantastic initiative. And to an extent where, you know, sometimes it's easy doing it when a few of your mates are together uh, and you all get together. But I remember, I think it was last week or the week before, um, we play football on a Saturday, we play football on a Saturday morning. And one of the days we went early for the game, um, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock in the morning. And there's a brother there by himself um, cleaning litter from a public space. Someone that we know, I don't want to mention his name. Um, but honestly, like when when you see that, you got mad respect for this person, man. That he's spending his Saturday mornings. He could be at home chilling with a cup of tea, right? Watching Netflix, just relaxing. But no, he's out there taking his own initiative by himself, cleaning the community. Honestly, it had a big impact on me, you know. Um, but this is a separate problem, you yeah, see. That's a. Uh, we, we're gonna make a different podcast just about that, inshallah. Okay, so let's get back to uh, the problems that we have. That we're talking about food fast food um and health okay i'm gonna tackle this from a different perspective Go on. our relationship with food honestly what from what i see is very problematic okay well like, this is uh this is just like a mindset that certain people have and other people don't have and it shows you the direction of life as well you know you know productive people in their life People who are doing things, they don't they don't see food as a luxury. Sorry, they see food as a fuel and necessity. Mm. So, people you eat to live, not live to eat. Yeah, you eat to live. Mm. You know, that you you eat. You're not really. Oh, sorry, how do I phrase this in the correct way? You're not really to consider like you're not fussy and picky over whatever you eat. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can eat the meat, the same meal. Two days in a row, three days in a row, four days in a row. The reason why it doesn't bother you is because it's not a huge priority in your life. You have other priorities which have preference in your life. And food is just like a small decision. It doesn't really bother me. Mm. For example, just say I have to eat wheat picks every single day. I'll eat wheat picks, you know. Like, it doesn't bother. I'm saying this is an example for some people. Some people mm. are like, 
okay, I have to eat vegetables for the next four days. I don't care, I'll just eat it. Why? Because it's quick, it's easy, going to save me time, and that gives me more time to concentrate on other things. Mm. The relationship that we have that I see with Muslims is that you, like now Muslims spend like two, three hours a day eating. Whether that's prep, prep, uh, prepping food, whether that's sitting down and eat, eating food, whether that's cleaning up food, and I see that as a big problem. Mm-hmm. How can a person spend two, three hours of his time every single day just focusing on what, he, what he's going to eat? To me, it shows that people don't have other things going on in their life. Mm-hmm. Imagine the things you can do in two, three hours. Yeah, yeah. D- let's be honest, you mm-hmm. can achieve crazy things that like you can you can do a, an amazing workout. You know, you can keep fit, you know, you can read, like just say, 20, 30 pages of a book, for example, you could take a course online, for example. Mm. But if you're spending that time just wasting to eat or you're looking forward to what you're going to eat, you're spending so much preparation on just eating, to see, I, I see that that's a really evil relationship with, uh, with food, you know, which, mm. which needs to change, which comes from a deeper problem. Yeah. So I think like there's, it's, a, it's sort of a chain between, you're mentioning about two, three hours spent on food. The problem is, Kasim, is a lot of, a lot of guys that we know, um, and this is this is a a male thing, where um, they don't know how to cook. So <laughs> the problem is they've got this relationship with food, and they can't cook themselves. So they're resorting to either takeaway, or what's what's worse is they are they have this sort of understanding that women are their servants, <laughs> and. Um, whether that be their wives, whether that be their sisters, whether that be their mothers, they just see it as this person's a cook for me. Yeah. And this is very, very problematic, you see, because firstly, it may be that our mothers might have done this. Okay? Uh, it may be that our mothers have brought us up in this manner. But you see, this is not what Islam says. Islam doesn't say that your wife needs to be somebody that spends um, all day in the kitchen providing three square meals for you and the problem is is that if you've been raised like that and you don't have an understanding of food in this manner you know, we're not saying uh, you can't you can't eat good food but where you have a mentality of my wife or my mom or my sister has to spend her day making three square meals fresh each meal something different um, or even two square meals you know I'd I know people that ask for a hot breakfast every morning. Oh. Right? Yeah. Like, even on, on work days, they, they want, like, a hot breakfast. They want, like, a cooked breakfast. Right? What do you mean, so, like, the full shebang? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> that's why I'm saying three square meals, Kasim. No. Right? But even if you're asking for two square meals a day, it's a problem. It's, it's very problematic. Okay. Like When you say two square meals, do you mean two different meals or the same meal? Well, you see, every, every family dynamic is different. And we can't comment on the dynamics of a family okay but what i'm trying to say here is is that when you have a particular mindset and your understanding is i need this no you don't need two square meals a day you don't need three square meals a day that's not what you need but the problem is when you demand that especially for a lot of youngsters in our community that are getting married they're facing a stark reality of you're not going to get that. I was going to, I was going to say, yeah. You know, <laughs> and and that's no, um, you know, that's no dig at our sisters, because that's not what they're there to provide. You know, they're not there to to cook and clean for us. Okay, um, and it, it, it results in tensions in the marriage. You know, I can imagine. Um, but here, let's move on to that.
Sorry, that was, that was a relationship with food. Now I want to talk about takeaways. Okay. Now I want to talk about fast food. Yeah. Okay, let's be honest. In the Muslim areas in the UK, mm. they are saturated with takeaways and restaurants. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I remember seeing the tweet. One guy goes, uh, <laughs> because Muslims are too scared to invest it to do a thing. The only thing they put their money in is <laughs> takeaways or restaurants. Or something, you know. Sorry, that, that's, just, that's, that's just a joke. But no, like, we have crazy amount of takeaways in our areas. And you see that our youth are literally every single week like these takeaways are packed. Now, don't get me wrong, takeaways are there for a certain reason. For a quick meal when you don't have time to cook at home, they are not the go-to every single day. Mm. As you mentioned, it's problematic when people are eating takeaway three, four, five, six times a week. Mm-hmm. You know? And now let's bring it back. Like, what if somebody's mother, what if somebody's sister or wife has cooked something at home and because the person has not liked it, you just go to the takeaway. Imagine how that makes her feel, for example. Mm. Yeah? Definitely. But then, definitely. what I'm seeing is that I see crazy amount of youth wasting their money on takeaways. You know, the average takeaway now, just say it costs about 10, 15 pound. If I'm not wrong, you can do a decent amount of a weekly shop for 10, 15 pound. Mm. And people are wasting that on one meal. Yeah. You know? I think, you know, it goes back to this thing of respect as well, respect and reverence. You know, whenever I've cooked, the first thing that I look for for the people that I've cooked for, whether it be like, you know, between us lads or whether it be a family, the first thing that you look for is you're looking from the corner of your eye to see are the people enjoying it. Yeah. You know, the people, whoever I've cooked for, are they enjoying that food? And it's a big slap in the face when you see somebody not eat the food that you've cooked, you know. Um, and just, I just want to highlight that point that this is our understanding is that if somebody has cooked for you gone through the the um the tribulations and and the hardship of cooking for you because it's not an easy task okay um then at least have the respect and reverence for that person to partake in that meal and to try and eat from it you know there's one thing where it's it's not edible and there's another thing where it might not taste as as good as you would like it to and there's a difference between the two as long as the food is edible um, then try to partake of it to the best of your ability and not be a person that's you know whinging and moaning you know because it can be really hurtful oh definitely especially um, for those who are married and, and people do cook for them it, yeah, yeah. It, it does become a problem you know yeah but I think the the final thing to mention about the fast food industry is going back to the meat that they're getting as well um, it's unfortunate but you got to bear in mind that these, these takeaways and these restaurants they're out there to make a, a quick buck they're out there to make money um, and like I said we have no problem with people trying to earn money but profit is the, the income that you have minus the expenditure and one of the ways that you increase your profit is by reducing your expenditure and unfortunately less good quality meat costs more money um, so for the business to increase in their profitability, one of the ways is to, is to obtain meat of a lesser quality, um, which is what happens. You know, it, it is what it is. That's the way that it happens. Now this point I want to get to, you are what you eat, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I see a crazy amount of youth eating takeaway food, eating fast, fast food. And as you just mentioned now, because the quality of food is not very good, it's having a direct impact upon them, on their bodies. You can, you know, when you see a person, like, this is not normal. You know, I've I seen so many people went to university and, you know, 
when people, many guys go to university, they don't have to cook. They, either they get ho- food from home, mom's cooked and put in the freezer, mm-hmm. or it's takeaways. Yeah. yeah. You know when I see people who went to university and they said, yeah, man, uh, I just put on 20 kilo this year. That's not, that's not normal. You shouldn't be putting on 20 kilo in a year. You know, a person, don't even, he gets older, he puts on natural size, mm. you know. But when you're putting on like 10, 15, 20 kilo, and you were like a normal guy, and then you suddenly have problems breathing, that's something like deeply wrong, you know. Mm-hmm. And it comes to this thing: you are what you eat. If you eat those things which are rubbish, no surprise, you're gonna be filled with rubbish. You are gonna be rubbish. Mm-hmm. And if you eat those things which are good or clean, you are gonna feel like that. You are gonna be that. You are gonna look like that. Mm-hmm. You don't look a certain way by accident, yeah. you know. And this is the thing that like, so many Muslim youth are just consuming fast food. And they may think, oh no, now we're not putting on weight. You don't understand what he's doing to your arteries. You don't understand what he's doing to your blood. You don't understand what he's doing to your blood pressure. You don't understand what he's doing to these things until you reach the age of 30, 40 and then you get all these problems. Yeah. You know? And now that's what I want to move on to in terms of the health problems that we have in our Muslim communities, which are directly to do with our food and the choices that we make in terms of eating food. Yeah, I think you make a good point here because there are some people who naturally put on sides very quickly. Um, after they start consuming foods, I'm one of them, right? <laughs> as soon as I start eating, I'll know within a couple of months that I've been I've been eating a decent amount. But on the other hand, my brother is very different, right? If he he can eat uh, a large quantity of food, and on him, he's not going to show us as quickly. Not yet. Um, no. Not yet. Not yet. Well, yeah, but I think this is a this is a thing that for those people that are in that situation where you you can eat a large amount and. You know, you don't naturally, you don't put it on straight away. You have to understand that that is, like you mentioned, that's still having an impact on on your body. Um, your organs will start to um, have more and more fat build up around them. Your veins and your arteries will start to have cholesterol line uh, inside of them. And you know, this is a process which takes time. It's not so you know you're not going to see the effect of your bad eating habits over the course of a year or two years. But trust me, by the time you get to 35, 40, 45, 50 you will feel the effects of that. Um, it's all about building balance and control, um, which are like the buzzwords for, yeah. for today's for today's podcast. Um, but what do we need to do to change our habits then, Kasim? I mean, there's the obvious of like, eat more fruit and veg, right? Yeah, no, um, let, 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 let's be honest, okay. We come from this, pers- this perspective, we come from subcontinent, okay? So our parents came from Pakistan and Bangladesh, mm-hmm. okay? But the problem was is that when our parents came here is that the sort of knowledge that they had in terms of food and diet and lifestyle was transported with them over here because that's the only thing that they knew. You know, let's not be honest, our food is tasty, mashallah, compared yeah, to all yeah. the other cuisines, you know, let's be honest, the Asian sort of cuisine is the best. Mm-hmm. But the problem is we don't live that lifestyle that they did in India, for example, in Pakistan, in Bangladesh. So, for example, when you do go back home, you see farmers or people in the morning, they have tea and they'll have a paratha with them, you know, and they have, they'll have a good breakfast. But the guys are going to go work in the field all day long in this heat. Us guys are tired just just from sitting in this heat. The guy needs the energy yeah. because he's gonna burn it off. He's gonna use it. But the problem with us is that we're in England now. So on on a just say Monday morning, it's half eight. We're having our tea with like three four uh, spoons of sugar inside, and then we're having you know some sweet and we're having whatever we're having you know maybe some eggs and whatever. But then we're going to our <laughs> desk job and just sitting down, yeah. you know. And then at lunch time, you know, we're having like our roti and our chicken tikka, <laughs> and then we're sitting at the desk. You know, then we're coming home, we've, we've driven home, we've not even biked home, we've not even run home, we've not even walked home, we've driven home, and we're coming home to another five-star meal, and then after that, most of us are like, just sitting down, we may go to the masjid, may come back, and then we're going to sleep. 
that's going to have a huge impact on our life mm. you know and the fact that we don't live such ac- active lifestyles we need to change our food we need to change in how much we consume mm-hmm. you know the quantities of what we consume and also what we consume like as be honest some of our food has too much oil inside mm-hmm. some of our food has too much let's say just say chilies and masala which are not good for the insides mm-hmm. you know and these are tweaks that we need to make which will see a huge benefit in the long run mm. i think at the end of the day what we're saying is every person needs to evaluate their own um, eating habits because and and make change accordingly because the thing is i don't know the eating habits of all the people that are no. watching this video um and i'm not saying that my lifestyle and my eating habits are an ideal that you should all follow but at the end of the day it comes down to a person doing some sort of uh thinking about what they're eating you know and making making certain changes like you mentioned about the oil for example you might want to consider um trying a different type of oil um or investing a bit more in the oil that you that you buy uh which is of a better quality because generally you'll tend to find supermarket oil um is a refined oil in which they've extracted all the goodness from it um which which leaves a raw substance behind which yeah um you might want to look into the different types of oil that are available maybe try olive oil or rapeseed oil or whatever other oils i mean i'm not um a dietitian that can inform me about that but it's something you may want to look into the use of uh vegetables you see we've talked about meat being inside of our diet and yes we do need to take on a more vegetable based food but to begin with if you just want to incorporate some vegetables inside of your food with the meat when you cook it this is a this is an example um that you can use um noor over here he's a pure fish diet but he's an exception um but the these are some changes that we can make um the avoidance of or the reduction of um confectionery sweets and chocolates i've got a huge sweet tooth man but i know that it has an impact on me yeah. um so the the reduction of sweets and confectionery chocolates crisps um i think what would be a really really good way for us to change our lifestyle aside from actually changing our main foods is to actually change our snacking habits you know um what we snack on majority of the time tends to be quite unhealthy and yes this is a wider problem than just just us because at the end of the day where sweets and chocolates when you're provided with with a choice between sweets and chocolates in the supermarket compared to more healthy options the difference in the price between the two is stark yeah right um and the question is do we require the state to intervene um in this and provide more of a financial incentive for for us to eat more healthily okay um because we're in the unfortunate position in the UK where the only thing that grows in this country is potatoes right um and there's only so many potatoes that you can have <laughs> okay um majority of all of our other fruit and veggies imported from other countries um and this naturally brings a price tag along with it so what do you think should the state intervene but that's the thing now like unfortunately science is not there for human benefit now it's there for corporate interests mm. so the reason why all these things are cheaper or or the, the reason why the uh, the snacks and the crisps and the chocolate are cheaper is for the interest of businesses mm-hmm. not for our interest anymore so it's all for us to educate ourselves mm. and make these conscious conscious decisions ourselves mm-hmm. you know and even if you don't buy 
just say some fruit or some vegetables because it's more expensive just don't buy the confectionery mm. you don't need to buy everything your cupboards don't need to be full with filled with this stuff it's nice to have it once in a while as a treat mm-hmm. but don't make it something which is just normal in your house that yeah. when one when somebody's hungry go get some crisps go get some chocolate no 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 just provide alternatives you know mm. if you can't buy the more expensive stuff just don't buy the don't buy the the rub- I call it rubbish mm-hmm. honestly this is all the stuff which makes people put on weight yeah. you know and it's important to mention this part is that I think that healthy lifestyle being strong being fit yeah is something that needs to be talked about in our Muslim communities I don't feel like it's talked about enough in the mosques and I don't feel like Muslims and especially imams don't give this importance okay. you know and I see this like as a huge problem like if you have Muslims who can't run they can't play football they can't do physical activity you know this was like a huge part of the life in the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and Sahaba mm-hmm. they were they were very fit strong people mm-hmm. you know we're not advocating for only playing football no no, 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 no. A- any sport which keeps you fit which keeps your mind strong keeps your body strong which is something mm-hmm. we're advocating for and I, I think that Muslims especially in the subcontinent we don't push this because we're very comfortable just eating our food and just you know uh, I don't want to say more but Ali carry on mm. yeah I can I see what you're saying we definitely need to become more fitter and stronger um, and to maintain a healthy lifestyle um, and I agree with you that it, it needs to be mentioned more um, because Islam is not something we just to do with our spiritual side so to with our emotional side and to do with you know our mental side and to do with our physical side it's not just about the masjid and the salah Islam is you know something which is far greater than that mm. I, I think what it is we we need to bring our children up in that way as well don't we um, where they actually enjoy physical activity. I think there's been a recent shift within the last five to ten years of a lot of the youth being brought up on video games. And the problem yeah. is that once you get stuck behind the screen, then it, it becomes very difficult for that child to de- then develop the love for to to keep physically fit. You know, um, and this is a big point that that we need to address. Okay, um, and like there's always nuance in these kind of arguments and situations there are people that live in areas which unfortunately are not safe for the children to be outside and therefore the children don't go outside um but there are plenty to talk about i think what we want to get what we what the plan of this podcast and what the plan of this particular episode was for us to highlight our eating habits um for us to take some thought and pay some attention to the kind of things that we are consuming um, both from the understanding of what we're buying off the shelves of the supermarket or from our local shops as well as have an understanding of where that food is actually originating from and where it's coming from um, for them to be on our shelves and finally for us to actually become more physically fit um, and stronger individuals and all of this will have an impact on our on our emotional side as well you see what we eat has an impact physically, it has an impact spiritually, it also has an impact emotionally as well. We'll find certain foods help us to to perk up and be more active. Other foods will, will make us more lethargic um, and more lazy. So I think this this is where the conversation has led to. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to add, Hassan? Uh, no, I think you summarised it very well. Okay. Just making these things aware as we said the whole point of the podcast was just to like, get things out there mm-hmm. make people think and just allow people to maybe digest what we've said maybe when, well, might, some people might not agree with what we were saying but that's fine everybody has their opinion mm-hmm. you know okay 
so let's draw it to a close for today um, thank you very much for listening to today's episode um, please do like the video below subscribe to follow follow our journey and please do share with your friends and family uh, the next episode Kasim what's the what's the next episode going to be about inshallah we discuss climate change and the environment yeah inshallah uh, next episode will be on climate change in the environment um, so I think we're going across this line of sustainability and these are topics that maybe some people might not be interested in listening yeah. to to be honest like this food episode I don't I don't see as many people viewing it as maybe some of the other topics and the same thing with the with the climate change in the environment but I think I'm planning to bring a lot to the table for the next episode mm-hmm. um, there's there's a lot of research I'm planning on doing um, into the next episode um, which again I don't, I don't think is is discussed within our communities and we need to be aware of the impact that we have had um, particularly in the last 50 years um, in the next 50 years and what 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 may potentially happen and what changes can we make in our lives um, in our lifestyle um, to to protect the environment you know, we've recorded this episode outside and it's a beautiful day cousin yeah. um, we hear like the birds tweeting as well uh, we've had the cat make like a, a guest appearance as well um, and it's been nice outside so thank you very much for tuning in um, and we'll see you in the next episode inshallah